With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. We are back and we are live. It is Fight IQ presented by Rotowire here to talk UFC 235, our main events. I'm going to pluralize it. We have two title fights. John Jones taking on Anthony Smith and Tyron Woodley facing Kamaru Usman. Fight IQ is here. It's brought to you by Rotowire. And as of tomorrow, we will be making a brief appearance as we begin our raid of Sirius XM and Satellite Radio. Our guy Joe Sunsu, you know, everybody knows the one of the analysts on the show, will be on at 2.30. I think about 15 minutes to talk more about UFC 235. It'll be on the Fantasy Sports Network, Sirius 210, XM 87. Make sure you guys tune into that. That's all we're going to say about that, other than thank you for the uh, support, especially everyone who tweets at Rotowire, at SiriusXM, especially you, John Church. Those, those Lincoln tweets, Hawk. Lincoln Hawk. That's right. Those tweets are my favorite. So appreciate that. Appreciate all the support. Thank you, guys. Make sure you like the video. Subscribe if you haven't already. Make sure you're up on that. Appreciate it. And now let's get into what you're here for, this entertainment. Wait a second. I, wait a what? second, Sean. This is a big week for Lincoln Hawk. You know he got a shout out on Dogger Pass too podcast. Did he? Yeah, so that's that's a double shout out. Wow. For Lincoln Hawk John Church, man. Okay. Big guy. You know what? He's moving up in the world. Yes, but, he is. So let's do our quick intros. That was Joe Sun Tzu. He'll be the one leading the charge for us on Sirius XM Radio tomorrow. Our guy from Rotowire himself on staff on staff Chris Olson. Chris, how are you this fine evening? I gotta imagine you're excited about the news. Oh, yeah, I'm doing great, man. And, um, you know, I wasn't as optimistic as some that we might actually get a spot on uh, Sirius. So How it's, dare you? I we know. are entertaining. Well, I am. Um, Joe yelling at you is prime time I, Well, stuff. I know, but I'm not going to be there the first time. So Well, no, we'll get we'll, – everybody's going to rotate and, like, come on. That's, like, true, that's true. That's true. But, uh, like, no, no, suffice, suffice to say I was pleasantly surprised. And um, – I hope that uh, a lot of good things can come of it. I know Joe's going to do a great job, but as far as this card goes, I uh, I am expecting a lot of fun. I think this is a good card to sink your teeth into for DK. And on a personal note, I will be playing uh, DFS Consortium in the next round of the uh, MMA World Cup after squeaking by Miley Virus by uh, six wow. points, I believe. So wow. we're set up for the next round. Uh, if you're if you're um, if you're listening out there, who goes by Magic Mike DFS, I believe on Twitter. Oh, I know Magic Mike. I know Magic Mike. Yep, and um, he's, he's probably watching. Yeah. Oh, I know it. So um, I think I might throw a couple of curveballs in there. So you guys. Okay. No, 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 no. You you will be honest and straight, or I will berate you. Oh, or will... or you can abstain, Chris. You could log off right now. And, no, no, and no, 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 no. But, I, but I, do, I do have a question for Sean. He, you're berating me. How is that any different from any other show? 
<laughs> That's fair. It'll it'll be more intense All somehow. Right. You know fair what? Enough. It's what people. It's what the people tune in for. That's All it. right, guys. Let's let's get the pleasantries out of the way real quick. As I mentioned, show brought to you by RotoWire. Go to rotowire.com/slash/free ten day free trial to all their premium content. No credit card required. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you're in the chat. Like the video. Subscribe to the channel. Hit us up with any questions. We'll answer them as we go. If you're listening after the fact, which you can by subscribing on iTunes, we record these Friday nights around 8 o'clock. Feel free to jump in the chat and join there. It is a good time. Also, as always, please follow us, all of us on Twitter. Chris is at Real Chris Olson. Joe is at Sun2. I am at the DF Sniper. Let's break down some fights. We start off with Pollyanna Vienna, 9200, taking on Hannah Cyphers, at 7,000 odds in this fight. To me, are a little wide. Pollyanna Vienna, minus 250. Comeback on Cyphers is plus 230. Cyphers took an absolute bludgeoning against Macy Barber last time out, although she clearly displayed her toughness on that fight, whereas Pollyanna Vienna lost to J.J. Aldrich. This is classic striker versus grappler. Pollyanna Vienna striking is bad. I know she beat up a, a mugger in Brazil. Guys, it's a mugger in Brazil, not an MMA fight. Her striking is not good. She needs to get this fight to the mat. On the feet, Cyphers will have a big advantage, but she was able to be taken down by Macy Barber. Classic striker versus grappler. Joe, we'll start with you. How are you going to tap this one on SiriusXM? Um, if we talk about this fight, well, first of all, look, Pollyanna Viana is a purple belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So, yeah, it's a it's a grappler versus striker, but we're not talking elite black belt here. We're talking purple belt. I think the line is wide. I actually saw some good things in Cypher's first appearance, which was a short notice fight. Um, I, I'm not thrilled that she trains out of a small camp in South Carolina while Pollyanna Viana is at ATT. Um, you know, that... But I, she's got toughness. Um, the price is right at 7K. Uh, I'm going to go out. I guess I'm going to go out on a limb right out of the gate and say that, you know, I think it's a very, I think the fight is a lot closer than the betting line odds. And because of that reason, I am going to go for the upset and take uh, Cyphers here. Well, so just because you'll give me a perfect segue to, to go into my fight pick, while I agree that the, line should be closer. I think at some point this fight hits the mat and that's where Vienna takes over and wins. I just don't know if it's quick enough, high enough scoring. I don't mind Cyphers as a punt because as Automatic says in chat, our stand, you know, Cyphers stand-up is better. Otto! I'm trying, to, I'm trying to read the rest of this. I think I think Cyphers is competent enough on the ground. Um, She's competent enough, but if it gets down there, it's still Vienna's world. I don't mind her as a punt. Um, with her better stand-up, Chris, are you in agreement that this fight is at least closer than the odds and salary indicate? Um, not really, but did, do you guys know I just put that together right now, automatic? I kept calling him Otto like the Simpsons, but anyway. Yeah, um, he's not, he's actually Chick Whisperer 2.0. Oh, no, no, I know that, I know that part. I know that yeah. much. But, uh, yes, we were actually having a, a little conversation in, uh, in the DMs about this fight. I know he likes uh, Cyphers a little bit too. I really don't. Like, I understand it's striker versus grappler, but there's a world of difference between a striker like J.J. Aldridge and a striker like Hannah Cyphers, J.J. Aldridge. Really? And, yeah. Yeah. Wait. wait. Your love uh, of J.J. Aldridge is always I'm really getting, wait, wait. I'm really getting going to get pushback on that? On J.J. Oh, Aldridge being man. good? Absolutely. J.J. Aldridge is a, is a classically trained boxer. Hannah Cyphers is like a regional 3-0 and fighter who throws haymakers. It's not the same thing, fellas. J.J. Aldridge is not that good. Just well, oh, okay, but any in in any event, in any event, I see uh, Otto's uh, nameplate there, so I'm sure he's chiming in. But I'm just gonna I'm just gonna uh, try to barrel through it first. Um, look, look, I think that um, I was I'm gonna say actually something nice about her, which is that Cyphers actually ha had a little bit of success in that first round by doing what she basically did on the two or three fights I saw on on um, Handicam in the regionals, which is she gets in the clinch, she makes it dirty. And she likes to throw hard single shots off the break. Um, the reason why I, I dislike this matchup so much was, one, as I stated, I don't think that uh, Cyphers is anything like a combination puncher. Um, the other thing is, is too, is that she likes to work in the clinch, which means um, there's going to be a lot of tie-ups against the fence. 
which is where Pollyanna Viana scores basically all of her takedowns. Um, now, now, Aldridge was actually able to control her up against the fence for portions of that fight. So if you think Cyphers is going to be stronger, you might um, take that as your little window for um, some success that she might have. But to me, it's just too much time uh, playing with fire uh, in a bad world. And, um, yeah, I, I just I just don't think that Cyphers has any anywhere near um, the acumen on the feet. I think Viana can keep her at range if she wants with her kicking game for as long as she needs to. And then when it does get in the clinch, I think eventually it hits the mat. I think it happens pretty early. And I actually like Vienna here for, you know, a little bit, a little bit of uh, those dogs, those uh, favorites. We always talk about that people don't like his favorites that uh, might get you some scarcity. So I'm on Vienna here. Uh, I guess the problem is there's a lot of value here in the upper mid range that I think is way higher upside. And the best thing about that analysis was Chris using the word acumen. So I, uh, I would go with that. I blacked we out. Have, we said. have another women's fights to talk about and one that I will be in the minority. So that'll be fun. Macy Chiasen, a 9,400, who I'm just going to call Macy the rest, of the, the rest of the way here. Gina Mazzani, 6,800. This line to me is insanity. Macy is minus 500. Mazzani is plus 400. Chris, before I go, talk to me. Why is why is this line gotten out of control? I I, I don't know, and I and I think that um, I mean that that price on, on on DraftKings too. It's it's like it's like you you almost can't really take her except the fact that I mean this is sort of the same dynamic as the first as the first fight where um, Mazzani is just going to try to make this an ugly fu- ugly fight grappling fight in the clinch and um, try to get her takedowns. But um, she's going to go up against a much bigger and I presume stronger opponent. Who's but Macy isn't that much. Did you watch weigh-ins? She's not that much bigger. I, I didn't. I didn't watch weigh-ins. But or the um, the, the, the the square offs, not weigh-ins. The no, uh, the, no. I yeah, no. I hear you. But um, you know, I, I mean, she looked big in the cage in her last fight. She looked big in the cage in in Victa. I just think that she's going to be the stronger uh, party here, and I think she's. Uh, really good on the ground. She had a, a, a slick back take against uh, P- uh, Penny Kinzad. I can never say that name mm-hmm. in uh, in her debut there, coming off a tough. I think at some fight, at some point rather, this fight goes to the ground. Uh, Mazzani, I believe, I am correct in saying. I'm going to vamp while I find it. One second. Come on, yes, Mazzani has a. Stop, has already has a sub loss uh, to Sarah McMahon in the UFC, um, uh, to, which tells me that she's vulnerable down there against another uh, big, strong grappler, by the way. So I think that history repeats itself, and uh, I'm pretty confident with Mazan here, but I do agree that the, the price is really um, testing the comfort level a little bit. Joe? I am. I, I like Macy a fair bit here. I think uh, Pansy Kinzad is better than Gina Mazzani. Um, I am mildly interested in, you know, uh, Gina Mazzani's photo essay. Um, and it's kind of interesting that, you know, Tim Elliott, like, dumped his wife for her. But um, aside from that, I mean, she got muscled by Landsberg. And for her game to work, her clinch Muay Thai game to work, she really needs to be able to outmuscle her opponent, which I don't see happening here. Um, I, I like Macy Affair as much as you could like a three and O fighter. Would I bet her at minus 500? Hells no, but I think she makes for an interesting punt off of, uh, you know, a more, a, a more expensive John Jones because she will be fairly low owned at that price point. Um, so I like, I like Macy a fair amount here. That's the pick. All right. I get it. I think Macy is probably the better fighter. I, I see the first round inside the distance prop. Don't agree. I think Macy's also going to want to make this a physical, grindy type of fight. I think this fight is going to this this fight and the Torres Zhang fight. I see both going three rounds. I could see the first fight ending inside the distance. I don't mind Gina Mazzani at 6,800 as just a pure punt. I, I, I'm struggling to see. Macy uh, Macy finishing her quickly. Landsberg out muscled her, but Landsberg but Mazzani still got two takedowns in that fight. She still scored almost thirty points. 
excuse me, I, I didn't when I saw the the head to head or the the the, the square offs. Macy's a little bigger. I also she's three and zero, not a lot of experience. I just don't see a quick finish. I'm still picking Macy to win because ultimately I do think she is going to be stronger, and I think she's going to win a decision. But as for a pure cash game punt, because we're going to get to the guys we all want to talk about: John Jones, Ben Askren, Zabit, Magomed Sharipov. Um, who else is way up in this expensive range? Who's there's there's, there's more, I'm missing one. Somebody Mickey help Gall. me out. No, no, not Mickey Gall. Another, another 9K. <laughs> not, not Mickey Gall. Did, 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 did I miss one? No, I, I missed one. I think I covered all of them. Uh, that, that, no, I think the, you got him. That upper – oh, Tyron Woodley. The, that upper 8K to, to low 9K range. We're going to need some punts in cash games. To me uh, – Let me just is, say that uh, – let me just – real quick. I get the fact that if you're going to punt, why not do it against an inexperienced fighter? I would be more sympathetic to the argument, though, if we hadn't already seen her get run over by a big, strong grappler um, in about two minutes in the UFC already. McMahon's yep. – wait, 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 wait. No, you cannot compare Macy. But it's, but it's, Macy no, but it's the Sarah same McMahon. dynamic. It's the same Different dynamic. fighter. Yes, so she'll probably lose. I'll give you that. But to say she's going to get run over in two minutes again because Sarah McMahon did it? I didn't say they would be exactly the same. I said we've already seen the dynamic play out. Right, but you're implying the same result's going to happen. It could. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, just. I'm, saying, I'm just looking for twenty points. I'm looking I'm for twenty to thirty happen. points for my cash game punt. Maybe right. it's possible, but for sixty-eight hundred, when I want to get John Jones in, um, automatic says you're going to argue takedown upside, <laughs> aren't you, Sean? Yeah, a little bit of takedown yeah, upside, but I'm, I'm also I'm also arguing opportunity cost and just pure dollar savings to get the higher price guys in there. I probably won't have any Gina Mazzani in, in GPPs. Definitely no ceiling there. But as a pure punt for the savings, I think you could do worse in this card against a 3-0 fighter. That's my piece on this one. Let's get into, I think, I think one of the best GPP fights on the card that no one is talking about. Edmund Shabazian, 8,200, taking on Charles Bird at 8,000. Shabazian up to minus 140. Bird, the comeback is plus 120. Both these guys have a common opponent in Darren Stewart. Shabazian got a win where he took down Stewart 10, 10 times. Charles Bird was knocked out in the second round. Been going back and forth on this one. Both these guys hit really hard. Shabazian all of a sudden showed that he could grapple last time out. I wish Shabazian wasn't trained by Edmund Tverdian. It would actually make me feel a lot more comfortable. Also, Shabazian younger. I think he's 22, 8-0. Charles Bird is a 30-something-year-old veteran um, who's still new in the UFC. So how do you guys have this one? Chris, we'll start with you for this one. All right. So um, it, 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 it's the funny thing about Shabazian is the, the, the limited tape that we saw in him in the regionals and his – uh, Tuesday Night Contender Series fight was a guy who would just stalk his opponents, pressure, throw big shots, and um, and uh, get the finish. And now all of a sudden he's a wrestler against Darren Stewart. That kind of suggests to me that the second he ran into another big physical striker, he didn't want anything to do with them. And I think that bodes well for Bird here, who is a quick guy who can throw in combination, who can counterpunch a little bit. And can wrestle a little bit himself, um, by the way, which is uh, how he beat John Phillips. Um, I like him a lot. I think he is um, an underrated uh, prospect. He was winning every ounce of that Darren Stewart fight until he lost it. Uh, a, a breakaway elbow on the fence that stunned him and led to the finish. I think uh, Bird is the way more put-together fighter here. I don't see um, Shabazian going, you know, takedown after takedown like he did against uh, Darren Stewart. And even if he does, he was dead tired by the third round. And the only reason Stewart couldn't put him away is he was somehow more tired. Uh -huh. So I I can't really trust Shabazian. I like Bird quite a bit here. I think the price is right. I'm going to have a lot of Charles Bird. Personally, I don't think this fight is safe for cash games at all. Somebody mentioned in chat they've been flip-flopping. Just play both sides. I will have both sides of this fight in GPP. My pick, Shabazian. Joe, how about for you? I'm with Chris on Bird here. I agree. Uh, I, you know, It was a split decision win against uh, Darren Stewart. Also, we all know that MMA math 
you know, doesn't work more than it does work here. So uh, I think, you know, Bird is the better striker. Um, you know, we definitely saw both guys uh, cardio dump. Um, you know, if this fight gets to the third round, it could be very interesting. Um, <laughs> who's who's more tired? Um, but I'm going to go with Bird here. I think he could actually potentially get a finish. Um, although you do have a 21-year-old coming off of a nine-fight win streak. Um, I like Bird's camp at Fortis. Um, I'm going with uh, Bird. All right, moving on. A quick fight. I like it. Let's keep going. As we have Mickey Gall at 9,100, taking on Diego Nightmare Sanchez, 7,100. Mickey Gall, minus 215. Sanchez, plus 195. As our good friend Brett Apley tweeted, it's 2019, and Diego Sanchez is about to be chalk. And God help me if I don't agree with them, and it's chalk I'm going to eat. Mickey Gall, look, he's Mickey Gall. He's had most of his fights in the UFC, but... Mike Jackson, CM Punk, Sage Northcutt, lost to Randy Brown, George Sullivan. Mm. Yeah, yeah, not not super impressive. Diego Sanchez has good good um good wrestling. Has never been submitted. Has the better technical striking and is willing to get in a brawl. But there's the problem. If he had, if I had any confidence that a stiff breeze would knock Diego Sanchez <laughs> out completely cold, I would probably have a five-unit bet on Diego Sanchez. That being said, I have a small bet on Diego Sanchez because I couldn't help myself because uh, plus 195 against Mickey Gall just didn't seem quite right. Mickey Gall good on the ground, but he's not some kind of wizard. He was back and forth with Randy Brown. So give me a Diego Sanchez and as probably the livest of underdogs on this card. Full of live. It's funny. There's a lot of live underdogs on this card, but not many I'm picking to win straight up. Sanchez will be one of them, I think, is wrestling um, – Owns the day here. Give me Diego Nightmare Sanchez at the price tag. Joe, you have so my side in this one? Yeah, primarily to piss Brett off, I am going to remind everybody that uh, Mickey Gall lost to a fighter who uh, got knocked out while having top control. Um, just want to like kind of bring that <laughs> I, up. I everybody. made a lot of money on that Nico Brown knockout. Oh, my God. Nico that was, Price knockout. That yeah. was great. So, and, so you argue that that is the best fighter that Mickey Gall has fought. Um, Sage North, Sage Norcutt had strep throat and he was at the, you know, kind of very beginning of his career. I'd like to think that Sage could beat him now, um, as he's evolved. Look, Mickey Gall is evolving too. I think he's got to stop calling out these, you know, these fighters like that. I mean, come on, Dan Hardy, like, okay. Yeah. Call a guy, call a guy out. That's been announcing that's, that's, you know, had major medical issues. Come on. Like, let's have, how about we like put you up against the mid range fighter and see if you could actually fight George Sullivan coming off of, uh, you know, an, a USADA two year suspension and like 49 years old, just exaggerating. He's not that old. Um, you know, I, I just can't in good faith bet on Mickey Gall here. I will have some shares of him in DK. Um, but the price point of Diego is so compelling that it allows you to, it allows you to, um, you know, get some of the top tier guys in. So I am on Diego. Chris, how about for you? Um, I like Diego actually quite a bit here. And um, see, guys, chalk. This is what chalk yeah. looks like. We all agree on seventy one hundred, which is, is kind of scary. I mean, it was even scary the last time when it was when it was Craig White. So it's even scarier this time. But um, the the one of the main reasons is because um. I feel like Diego Sanchez basically already won this fight, except it was called Marcin Held that he was fighting. Um, I and I, I think Marcin Held is probably a better grappler, and and Diego Sanchez out grappled him. I mean, the, the thing about uh, Mickey Gall is that we we haven't seen him take over a fight with his jujitsu against anybody who he wasn't way better than a jujitsu. Uh, so that includes um, the, the all the cans you mentioned. And George Sullivan, um, he couldn't take over the fight against Randy Brown. And I don't think he's going to be able to take over the fight against Diego Sanchez if he can even out-grapple him, period. Um, he's an okay striker coming coming forward when he, you know, can just stick a one-two out there. But against Randy Brown, I mean, it was it was really sort of embarrassing. He was turning and running at points in that fight. I know, I know uh, Randy Brown's a different striker. He's longer. Um, and so fair enough. But I think that... Um, Diego's smothering style, unless Gall's going to hit a reactive takedown, and then we'll see what happens in that world anyway. I I don't completely distrust 
Um, Diego here, even if he's on his back, but that I think the pressure is gonna is gonna maybe freak him out a little bit. I think Diego in your face. Um, if you're not used to it, if you're not like a skilled fighter, I think could fluster him a little bit. And I think Diego is gonna march forward and do what he wants. I think it's gonna look pretty similar to the Craig White um, uh, fight in certain spots. And Craig White was you know fishing for triangles on the ground too, and omoplatas and and uh, Diego was able to skirt every one of them. So yeah, as much as it's weird to say, pretty confident in Diego here, and I'm gonna have a bunch of them. By the, by the way, I've got a small wager on Diego plus two fifty five. Wow. And I've got a small wager on Diego Sanchez inside the distance at over 900. See, the fact, 900. That, the fact that we all love him and that he's it's a big a scary. Yeah, I wouldn't scary. say I love him. Let's, I mean, let's not go, let's not go there, but. I mean, relatively, I mean, we're all, right. we're all in, we're all yeah. in. Yeah. But let's keep moving. Cody Stamen, 8,600, taking on Alejandro Perez at 7,600. Stamen, the favorite in this fight. This line keeps widening every time I seem to check it. It's up to minus 200 now. Perez plus 170. Perez is a – if you're listening to this podcast, there's a chance, a good chance you listen to Half the Battle. And I said this on, on my own my own podcast. Um, I can just hear them calling this Oh, no, guy you're not going to use the double oh, – you're using the, the double U word. Yes, you are. That's, that's the – it's all – whenever I think of Alejandro Perez, I think – of of those guys calling him a weasel, and that's just what he is. He finds a way to win to win rounds. He's a striker in his wins: fifty three strikes, thirty five strikes, forty four strikes. Those are just those are just the decision wins I'm listing. Sixty one strikes. Like finds a way to get it done though. Here in this one against Stamen, Stamen's the better wrestler, better all around fighter, more put more put together. He also knows what the hell to do with his hands during a picture session if you saw that gif of um, <laughs> Alejandro Perez at media day no clue what to do just nothing uh, I know Steeman lost to Aljamain Sterling Aljamain's really good I've been saying it for the last couple of fights I think people believe me now I'm not too worried about it as long as his knee is healthy from that knee bar I think Steeman out wrestles Perez and has sneaky upside here at 8600 Chris how about for you uh yeah I I agree I like Steeman as well I think that um He's really good at. I mean, he's not the most developed striker in the world, but he's good enough that when he mixes in his, his wrestling, he can be tough to deal with. Um, I think that um, he's been facing uh, really good grapplers in his past fights. He, he faced Caraway, then he took that loss against Aljamain Sterling. Um, those are two really good grapplers uh, slash wrestlers. So I think this this is going to be a kind of a welcome change here for a guy who can really. Um, show the the breadth of his entire offense, but while getting his takedowns going, and I think he's good enough defensively and fast enough. I don't think he's quite as fast as Perez, but I think he's fast enough to where he can keep himself relatively safe while working his offense. And uh, yeah, I like him quite a bit for some rinse and repeats. I'm thinking this will be a, a lot more like the Terry and Ware fight. Chris, I'm sorry, I gotta interrupt you. You just because I'm reading something in chat and responding, and you just use the words rinse and repeat. Uh, chat wants you to take care of your hair. Oh, guys, come on. I'm, I'm a rebel. This is how – it's like John Lennon over here. What do you guys – what do you want? I had to jump in. I'm sorry. That's all right. Um, I I, I, uh, I, mean, I was basically done. I think this is going to be uh, – I won't use that phrase again because – Weasel. <laughs> uh, I think this is going to be um, Stamen getting back to what he can do, what we – Saw him do it in fights against guys like Terry and Ware, and I'm all about it. So, yeah, I'm taking statement. Joe? Yeah, seven-fight win streak for Perez. Not getting a whole lot of love here. Um, unfortunately, I'm not on the uh, love train either. So I will um, go with Cody Stamen here. I think he makes an interesting play. I don't necessarily see him getting the finish, which is a little concerning because he's going to need takedowns. Uh, you know, to win this fight. So I, I, I like him. I think he's a solid cash play, um, you know, in that, in that range. Um, I'm fairly confident that he's going to win. I just don't know what he's going to score. Um, so I have Cody Stamen here. All right, guys, let's talk GPP. Cause if you play this fight in cash, I want you to stop playing DFS, read about how to play DFS and then take my head to heads. Cause you're not going to get it. Johnny Walker, 8,400, taking on Misha Serkinov at 7,800. 
Johnny Walker is the favorite, minus 150. Misha Serkinov, plus 130. Fight inside the distance, minus 590. Someone's going to sleep. Johnny Walker is the guy everybody's talking about. Picture with John Jones, the crazy uh, back fist, spinning back fist knockout. Justin Ledette um, knocked out Khalil Roundtree Jr., Misha Serkinov. But, he, you know, he's super aggressive, has been finished before, can be taken down. If Serkinov gets into the ground, it's probably a wrap. The problem is Serkinov has no shin and Walker has big power. Someone here should score 100 plus points and end up on the optimal lineup. The question is who? I'm going to play both sides, but I'll have more Johnny Walker. I just don't trust that at some point. Another stiff, stiff breeze. The same one that hopefully doesn't knock out Diego Sanchez will knock out Misha Serkinov. So Johnny Walker is my pick here. But Joe, are you on my side? Both sides? Yeah. So, so there's a little bit of narrative here on this fight. I mean, um, first of all, I'm not like, I don't think a win over, you know, Pat Cummings is enough to say that, you know, Serkinov righted all his wrongs. I like that he moved his camp to Las Vegas, um, I believe Extreme Couture and the, and the Performance Institute. Um, you know, what's shocking is that, you know, during his early run, he was at a camp where his, in a small little camp in Canada where his main sparring partner was a bantamweight. Um, so... I, I the narrative on this fight is and and I, I I wish well him and his family. His wife is is battling breast cancer. He has had that on his mind the entire fight camp. Um, he he said that he needs the money. Um, I don't know if any of that is a positive. Um, you know I I his we've seen his jaw, we've seen his chin. Um, it looked like essentially a phantom punch from Odstemir that that brought him down. I think Walker, if anything, might hit harder than Ozdemir. Um, I do believe to have both sides of this fight, but I have I will have I will have more Johnny Walker for sure. That's my Chris. Pick. How about Chris? How about for you? Uh, yeah, I, I just want to check. Are you guys when you say he's got no chin? Is that entirely because of of the Ozdemir knockout, or did, have you seen something else? He always seems to get rocked. Yeah, he's always rocked, hurt, like. Because nah, I don't, I, I don't think. I mean, it was a, it was a shot to the side of the head. I mean, guys oh, catch those. I mean, it, it was a weak one at best. You know. All right, but I mean, you know, weird stuff happens. In any event, um, this is a fascinating fight to me. Um, I think that um, Sirkinov could have some success here by doing. Uh, what Frankenstein did in their um, tender series fight, which led him to have a pretty good first down, uh, first down, <laughs> first round, which is uh, which is just walk him down, um, walk him down and throw shots and take that length away from him. Um, uh, Frankenstein was having some success in the first round doing that. Uh, the thing, the thing that makes it so hard to analyze the Johnny Walker fight is even if you go back to some of his regional losses, and a lot of them are available on YouTube, it's just it's a different guy now. For the first and most obvious thing is he's put on a ton of muscle in the past three or four years. Got um, those uh, Mexican supplements. That's it. Um, I mean, the guy the guy is still young. I mean, he's growing into his body. You know, whatever. Yeah. Um, okay. Jesus Christ. Um, you know. But, By the way, uh, uh, Glover knocked him out in the first round too. Somebody pointed out in chat. Yeah, but that was, um, you know, that was ground and pound. Um, okay. <laughs> You're making a case for Serkinov. Are you picking him? No. I, oh. Can I finish my analysis, please? Yes. Okay. <laughs> oh, we, got all right. we got them all jacked up, guys. Keep it coming in chat. So the other, <laughs> so the other thing about Walker is that um, he's much quicker now in the cage, and he uses his length way better. So it's and and we haven't seen him with a lot of cage time in the UFC. So it's really tough to sort of pick his fights. Having said that, though. Serkinov is um, by far the most experienced, uh, most well-put-together fighter he will have ever faced. He can wrestle a little bit. He can counterpunch a little bit. He can pressure a little bit. He's got some power. He's got, he can do a little bit of everything. I think that um, Serkinov can pour on the pressure. I don't know if he can do it consistently enough to win, which would be the concern. And obviously, as, we, as we've seen, Walker can end the, the – um, the fight with one shot, whether you have a bad chin or not. So I'm going to pick Serkinov by a really thin margin here, but ultimately I just think it's going to be an awesome fight and I can't wait to see it. 
All right, Zabit Magomed Sharipov, 8,900. Taking on Jeremy Stevens at 7,300. Magomed Sharipov, minus 250. Jeremy Stevens, plus 210. Magomed Sharipov, the really tall string bean of a 145er who is really good, guys. He has that wushu background, has takedowns, can grapple. He's a legit contender in this division. Step up here against Jeremy Stevens. I think he's going to be game. Stevens coming off of that uh, loss to Jose Aldo. I know Joe's going to mention the narrative that Jeremy Stevens talked about after that fight committing suicide, which is not funny, not a joking matter. And I hope he's I'm glad his coaches pulled him out of that. Um, and I hope that uh, that if he takes this loss, which I think he will, he doesn't go back to that dark place. Um, and all the best to him there. But ultimately, I think. The Russian invasion of the UFC is going to continue as, you know, we got Habib as champion, obviously. We got Magomed Sharipov, who's going to get a 145 title shot in in this calendar year. Peter Yan's right behind at 135. Like, they're coming from more than just one division. Magomed Sharipov's the guy at 145. I think his length and his takedowns will be too much for Jeremy Stevens, who is live to a puncher's chance. But ultimately, I got a favor, Magomed Sharipov with maybe a little bit of Stevens in my GPP pool. Chris, I will do my best, no promises, not to interrupt you during this one. Uh, well, I go. mean, I, I mean, I don't want you to go to go nuts here. I mean, you know, I'm asking you to uh, go against your nature here, and I wouldn't want to do that. So I think, um, you know, do the best you can. I'm just going to go, and you see you see what makes you comfortable. But I'm just, I would say, um, look, I like Stevens um, a little bit here just because I think that, um, I, I have a suspicion that if you can consistently pressure um, Zabit, you can effectively shut down a lot of his offense on the feet. Uh, we saw a little bit of that in, um, well, in each of um, the Bochniak and even the Brandon Davis fight where, I mean, look, he basically wins wins the first round just by pressuring forward and throwing leg kicks. Um, obviously, Zabit is a great grappler. And obviously, at various points, Stevens has had trouble with takedowns. But I think there's two things to say about that. Um, the first one is that um, as he has had trouble, even though he has had trouble with takedowns, the guy only has three submission losses in his entire career. And the last one came against Joe Lozon in 2009. So um, this guy isn't getting subbed even when he is um, finding himself on the mat. The other thing I would say is that we've seen to be tired before. Uh, we saw it in the third round of that Bosniak fight. And it stands to reason if you have to grapple in in the way that he does because, you know, maybe his striking fails or more, you know, he, he doesn't like the pressure. And a lot of his takedowns are not, you know, they're not like um, spinning you on a single leg. They're really pick you up, put you down um, takedowns and – when his opponent gets up, he he has to bring them back down. That all that's all very tiring. And Jeremy Stevens has looked a lot more composed in his recent fights. Um, even the Aldo fight, which he ended up losing, he's got a lot of consistent pressure. I think he's cutting the cage better. I think maybe he learned a thing or two from that Hanato Moicano fight. Um, and um, this is going to be a stiff test for Zabit. Um, there there is a chance that the wrestling just overwhelms Jeremy Stevens. But if it doesn't, or if Zabit gets tired. Then I like I like Steven's consistent pressure and power to get this done. So uh, don't overlook him, Joe. Hmm. Okay. So the Loch Ness monster, you know, Bigfoot, a Kardashian in Mensa. Where is this going? Jeremy Stevens has is a hard hitter. I'm not sure where all these myths have emanated from, but <laughs> you constantly hear like Jeremy Wait, Stevens has got all this like punching power. I mean, okay, it's true. It's not true. I mean, like, no, no, no. I was with you. I yeah, was yeah. I mean, like, you. like Emmett was. That was a borderline illegal shot that he hit Emmett with. I mean, I don't know where this is all coming from. I mean, Aldo essentially finished him with a body shot. Um, I like Zabita fair bit here. I mean, he is my my favorite fighter on this slate. Uh, I am going to live or die with Zabit here. Um, I, I I will be over the over the market in ownership. Um, yes. Uh, Stevens has got, I'm going to say a puncher's chance, not because I believe his punching power is so great, but because at pretty much every fighter, um, in a stand-up affair has got a puncher's chance. Um, I will be under 
ownership on Stevens and way over ownership on Zabit. My pick is Zabit. I like his price, 8.9K. Great value. Zabit, Zabit, Zabit. I, I have to. I'm sorry. I, I, I can't just let this that go. Um, Jeremy Stevens has had 28 wins. He's finished 19 of them by KO or TKO. Okay, yeah. but I was just looking at two. 70 percent. Wait, wait, who wait, is he KO'd? Wait, wait take oh, take come on. You, you have to, list? you have to take away the regional ones because the regional ones, every single of his re, every single one of his regional fights against Cans, except two by submission. Take away 10 of those. I'm looking at the page the page right now. By the way, he's been around the UFC forever. His first fight, I, I forgot this. His first UFC fight was against Dean Thomas. Yeah, that's, and he that's that. in, in 27, which he lost by armbar. So his knockouts are Nick Walker, Cole Miller, Rafael Dos Anjos in the third round, but I remember that fight, Dos Anjos gassed, Justin Buckholtz, Sam Stout, Marcus Davis, a real murderer's row, other than Rafael Dos Anjos. <laughs> that was his uh, best fight, best knockout. Uh, Hani Mar Mariano Bezerra, Dennis Bermudez. Hey, you know what all these fighters have in common? Only one is in the it, only one is still in the UFC. <laughs> uh, then you got Du Duho Choi and Josh Emmett. Yeah, Duho Choi was a good fight. Emmett Emmett was uh, I, that was a borderline illegal punch, but anyway, that's fine, Chris. Um, I think well, I, our our cameras are messing up. I think so. Apologies for that. But one thing I I didn't have time to go down the whole list and see their resumes. By the way, but um, Dennis Bermudez has only been um, stopped by strikes twice in his whole career, and Jeremy Stevens has one of them. So okay, you guys can. I mean, I I don't really know what else I need to say. This is kind of silly in my opinion, but all right. Um, it's a myth. Uh, it's a myth. You know, you know, you know who we can talk about? A guy who I think hits harder at 135. Cody Garbrandt, 8,500, taking on Pedro Munoz at 7,700. You guys see that slick transition? That yeah. was good, right? That's why I get paid paid the big bucks over here. Mm -hmm. Garbrandt is, you know, I don't need that kind of sarcastic mm -hmm from you over there. <laughs> Rain it in, big guy. Minus 140, <laughs> minus 145 for Cody Garbrandt, plus 125 for Pedro Munoz. It's actually a good segue because I know. Joe and I disagree on this fight. Yes. Um, I've always been of the mind that Pedro Munoz is a little overrated. He has made me look real bad the last couple of fights, admittedly. He will make you look bad again. Garbrandt, if. Now, I'm, I'm going to cover a little bit of my, my, my bases here. Garbrandt, I think on the feet, skill for skill, Garbrandt should be too quick on the feet, be able to avoid the takedowns, training out a team alpha male. Good movement mostly is what he uses to avoid takedowns. And on the feet, faster hands, better striker, should outclass Munoz. But if Garbrandt, as Joe's going to make some CTE reference that I'll let him do, if Garbrandt has no chin, obviously Munoz can catch him. And if he can, if he continues to fight stupid, which he did in the both TJ Dillashaw fights, he obviously will be in trouble because Munoz is capable of grabbing a neck, capitalizing on a mistake. Munoz is live in this fight. I'm picking Cody Garbrandt for the reasons I just mentioned. I will have shares of Pedro Munoz as well. Ultimately, like I said, I think Cody Garbrandt is too quick here. Joe, I'll hand it over to you now as you tell us why Pedro Munoz is, I think, one of your favorite dogs in the card, no? Yeah, he is. But I, I'll look, first let me make a case for having some shares of Garbrandt. Um, yes, he he ha will have fast hands. Um, I do love the progression that um, the young Punisher has made. Um, he was, you know, he came into the UFC, you know, known as being a ground fighter, you know, having a wicked guillotine, um, guillotine, sorry, um, you know, standing chokes. I mean, he just he just broke down Rob Font, which was one of the more impressive performances that I've seen. Um, I, I don't know that Garbrandt would destroy Font standing. Um, you know, I, I, look, Garbrandt has taken, he's a 27-year-old guy that is probably, his real age is probably closer to 50. Um, he's taken, he's had so many concussions in his, Career, amateur career as a boxer. I've seen film of him getting literally laid out. I mean, not like just like knocked out and, and you know, you get back up again a little woozy. Laid out. So he's coming off two knockouts. The other thing I will say about Garbrandt is this should be a much less emotional fight for him. He doesn't have that same animosity towards Munoz. Um, but I really like the progression that Munoz has made. I, I see him as... Uh, a fighter that is constantly improving. I don't know I could say that about Garbrandt. He may have peaked. I think this is a very interesting fight to target. It's got a very good 
um, finished prop on it. I, um, I'm going to take Minos. I like his price. I think there's line value there. Um, but I would certainly recommend having some shares of Garbrandt. And I think that this is a good fight to target. Chris? So as I've um, studied uh, fights for analysis more and more over the years, as I've uh, done DFS more seriously, and then now we do the show, it occurs to me that um, speed, athleticism, and power is basic, is a lot of what makes you a successful fighter, especially if you have those things and your opponent doesn't. And um, Garbrandt is just going to be so much quicker than uh, Pedro Munoz. It's going to be like a different universe. So when you see um, Pedro Munoz, who's a guy who likes to, you know, pressure his opponents back to the fence and uh, sort of unload on them. Look, we saw John Dotson kind of – John Dotson fought Peter Yan the same way he beat um, – Pedro Munoz, which is um, he can back himself up against the fence and then just come out in flurries and escape because he was that much faster than um, Pedro Munoz. And if he was that much faster than Pedro Munoz, then Cody Garbrandt is going to be a blur, not just in his foot speed, but in his hand speed as well. And he's got uh, obvious knockout power. Joe, I hope you won't disagree with me on that one, at least. Uh, well, you, you left out like you player. left out the most important thing. You also have to have defense of which. Garbrandt makes horrible decisions defensively. He, he makes horrible decisions, but I, I, I don't think that, um, as you said, this is going to be less emotional for him. I don't expect him to just get in the pocket and start swinging wildly with, you know, Pedro Munoz. I, I At this stage in their career, Chris, how much better is Garbrandt than Rob Font? Um, I don't. I that that would be that would be a much better fight, but but I mean that that was just. That was Rob Font getting caught along the fence line and then getting guillotined. I mean, and, that the, same, was, and the same thing can't happen to Garbrandt. Of here, course, right? I, I, of I don't. Course, I don't know if I. I don't know if I like Joe. The this stage in his career talk. He's two fights away from being the world champion. Yeah, but I mean, I it's just, it's disturbing to me what I've seen. I, I that's fair. I just don't like this stage in his career. Like, we'll see. I don't know that he's improving. That's my thing. That, I think funny. that's a fair take. It's yeah. funny because. You know, you can draw some parallels here to to Jose Aldo, where he loses two two fights to you know the best featherweight in the world, and everybody thinks he's done. I mean, I mean, um, TJ Dillashaw is probably one of the best in the world himself. So I don't think that getting losses to him is any kind of indictment on Cody Garbrandt. I just think he is. No, I agree. Yeah, I just huh? I agree. Oh wow! I wasn't I wasn't ready for it, Joe. I'm yeah, uh, no, I agree. I'll, but, I'll use uh, I'll use that transition, guys, to, oh, to, talk, to talk about our next fight, yeah. where I don't think we're going to agree. Wei Li Zhang, eighty three hundred, taking on Tisha Torres, seventy nine hundred. Zhang's the favorite, minus one forty five, which I find a little odd. Tisha Torres is the underdog, at plus one thirty five, and while I find it odd, I'm still picking Zhang in a close fight. Um, ultimately, no matter which way you lean on this fight, I think it's a terrible fight to target on DraftKings. For DraftKings-wise, I don't care who wins this fight. I don't think it ends in a finish. Zhang has the reach, a little bit more volume. Torres, been around forever, has a little bit of grappling upside, but she's small for, for the division. Granted, at their square-offs, the size advantage didn't look great for, for Zhang. Just the way Torres fights doesn't, doesn't score great for DraftKings. I want to look at her log real quick to make sure I'm not totally crazy. Yeah, her in her wins, 86, 81, 82, 7,900. That's that's fine for cash games. 62, 70, uh, 72, 68, and 196, but that was against Angela Magana. So we're just gonna go ahead and take a third off that because it's Angela Magana and call it <laughs> whatever that is, 60 something. So give me Zhang here a little bit of volume on the outside, but again, not a fight I want either side of on DraftKings. Don't think it scores well. Joe, we'll start with you since you were the women's MMA whisperer. Okay, so I'm, I'm on Tisha Torres here um, for a number of reasons. Uh, look, I can argue that uh, that she beat Rose Nama Yunus, the current champion, twice. Um, even though she did not get the second decision, I scored that fight for her. Um, I was very close, but I, I gave her that decision. Um, you know, if Amanda Nunez can't – I'm sorry, if Jessica Andrade can't finish uh, – Tisha Torres. I don't see how uh, how this Weijing Wei Lang can finish her. Um, you know, look, I want to see a few more fights. Um, 
I'm not ready to like, you know, endorse her yet as a future champion. Uh, Torres, on the other hand, I, I love that she took this camp at ATT. Um, you know, she was in a, a essentially a two person camp in Colorado with, with uh, Rachel Pennington. Um, realized that that wasn't working for her. Um, much more competitive environment, very sparring partners. That is a great camp, if not the best in the world for female fighters, um, ATT. Uh, so I love that she did that camp there. I do agree with what Sean said about essentially Tisha having a, a, a higher floor than ceiling. Um, I do like her in cash games because I think she can get the win here and she's, she's priced right. I will take any of those scores that you referenced with her victories for cash. Um, I don't know that that's going to do it for a GPP, but I certainly would consider playing her in cash. Chris? Yeah, I agree. Um, I have never been a Wheelie Zhang fan, I, which means I may go 0-3 on picking her fights in the UFC if I'm wrong about this one. But I, I like I like a couple different things about Tisha Torres here. Um, first thing is that I, I, I think she's a pretty decent counter puncher and I think she can fight pretty well off her back foot. We saw that in the um, Andrade fight where she did it uh, pretty much the entire first round and won that round. She wasn't able to keep it up, but I mean, Andrade is like a Terminator. So I mean, True. What, do you, what do you really want? Um, uh, I think that Willie Zhang is not much of a striker. She uses her kicks to, um, to keep range a little bit and then she has some straight punches, but ultimately what she really wants to do to get her offense going is, is, to, is to get you in the clinch. And I think Tisha Torres has at least some decent takedown defense. And even when she's on the ground, as we saw in that Andrade fight too, she's got a really active guard, um, if not to um, get subs, to at least create scrambles and get back to her feet. So I like her to keep herself pretty safe there. Um, this kind of reminds me of like the Daniel Taylor fight, if Daniel Taylor was like a come forward combination puncher, because I think the speed is going to make it hard for Zhang to, um, to get her takedowns. And I think that's going to play here. So uh, give me Torres. I think it's a pretty comfortable cash play. All right. First of the big three fights on this card, the debut of Ben Askren, 9,000, taking on Robbie Lawler at 7,200. Askren minus 260, come back on Lawler plus 240. Ben Askren has admitted this is not a great matchup for him. A guy who does decent against wrestlers and Robbie Lawler against a wrestler. And that's what Astro's going to do. He's going to try and wrestle and hump Robbie Lawler for three rounds. And hopefully all the talk he has done, if he does that, has built him up enough credit that people don't start calling him boring and terrible right away. They do think he's fun. I do think there's a place for grapplers and dominant wrestlers in this sport. He just has to not get caught. If he doesn't get caught, he wins. I think the winner of this fight does score well. Either Askren's going to get wrestling, grappling, advance points because he's you know, a good BJJ practitioner as well, or Robbie Lawler is going to catch Askren coming in early and knock him the bleep out. So between the two, I lean towards Ben Askren. Chris, who do you have in this fight? Um, I hate these kind of fights. Uh, we, we just had one of these two weeks ago in um, – one of these types of fights in Cron Gracie and and um, Alex Caceres. And what I mean by that is it's an all or nothing proposition. And then we have one of the fighters who we're not sure how their game plays in um, the highest level of MMA. So it's kind of a really tough fight to pick. And you know, if you're wrong, you're gonna get you're gonna go all the way wrong uh, most likely. But um, I'm I'm picking uh, Robbie Lawler here. I think I was the only one, in fact, to um, pick him on the. On the staff picks, I know Sean had a, a little something to say about it. But um, I, I think, look, um, if you go back um, to the way other guys have given him problems in the past, uh, Ben Askren, it's um, guys who can hard sprawl on the takedowns and disconnect. And I think that Robbie Lawler is going to be able to do some of that. And I think he hits hard enough to where Ben Askren is not going to just be able to walk into range as he likes to do and pressure him and, and get a takedown. I mean – um, ben Askren is not like a, a Damian Meyer or one of these guys who, like, as long as he's still connected to you, he can he can readjust and get the takedown. He's gonna he's gonna take his shot, and if you're if you're able to unclasp his hands, I mean, you can pretty much get away. So I think I think Robbie Lawler should have the tools to do that, um, and he hits hard enough to where he's not gonna have to connect cleanly uh, that much to change the course of the fight. 
and I think he's going to do it. I, I of course have not acknowledged that. I mean, Askren is a ded- is a dedicated and um, relentless wrestler. So if he keeps going, all he needs is one, and 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 that might be it. But um, um, I think that um, the other shoe drops first, so I'm going with Askren. I'm going on uh, Freudian Freudian slip, maybe. I'm going with uh, I'm going with uh, Robbie Lawler. Joe, so call me crazy, but I think that look, they trade the UFC traded for Askren. Um, I think the UFC either knows or has a sneaking suspicion that Lawler is still hurt. Um, you know, Lawler has had some injuries, some serious injuries. Um, I look the quality competition. I completely get it. Um, the last guy that he beat in, uh, in the one promotion, um, at one time in his career fought as low as, as featherweight. So I get it. I get it. Um, I'm not ready to, you know, hand the mantle to Ben Askren. Um, he does, you know, trade at a good camp. Um, I think he's going to get the win here. Um, you know, the dilemma is how to play him um, on DraftKings. Um, if he can, um, you know, reference to Chris's hair, rinse and repeat. Um, I, I think he could score some points. I don't know if I like him quite as much as Zabit um, in that price range. I think I'd rather pay down and get Zabit in GPPs. Um, and, you know, look, Robbie Lawler is a, is a pro. He could catch him. Um, so I'm a bit more, I'm a, I'm a lot more confident in Zabit, but I will pick Ben Askren to get the win here. All right. Co-main event of the evening time, Tyron Woodley, 8,700, taking on Kamaru Usman at 7,500. Everyone keeps chirping about the line value and that's a little bit here, but let's, okay. Tyron Woodley's minus 157, Kamaru Usman plus 147, 140 at some books. 140 is where I'll start to give you that it's significant as value at, 7500 but it's not like you know we've seen people price at 7500 where the line flips and they're minus 110 yes there yes there's odds value on Usman but I think it's getting overblown quite a bit here Uh, I think it's because on this card people are hurting for underdog so much two grapplers I'm a little worried they're straight they're wrestling cancels each other out and they stand and trade ultimately I like Woodley I think Woodley is consistently underrated because of his fights with with Stephen Thompson where they, they were boring, but he knocked out Robbie Lawler out cold. He got a decision win over um, Kelvin Gastelum. Granted, that scored really poorly on DraftKings, but and that's what I'm talking about, another another grappler. Knocked out Carlos Condit. What's interesting to me about Tyron Woodley is he has – I think he's the more likely to get a finish in this fight, and I think he's going to be really under-owned. I think the field is on Kamaru Usman. I'm taking Tyron Woodley. I like the lines dropping. I, I bet him today at this depressed line. And just the fact that no one's on him, man, it makes me like Woodley a bunch. But I will have shares of Kamaru Usman because it is five rounds, because his game plan is to wrestle. And on the feed, he seems to have decent volume. I do think he's live. This is one of the fights I'm playing both sides of. But my pick is Tyron Woodley. Chris, you start this one. Yeah, so I do kind of think the wrestling is going to cancel um, each other out. And I think um, if that does happen, then Woodley ha- just has a huge advantage because as good of, of, a, of a wrestler and as well-conditioned as Tyron Woodley is, he's still a, a, a very wooden striker, at least um, in comparison to Tyron Woodley. He's still sort of – I mean, he can he can throw uh, two punches at a time, but, you know, it's just it's just very janky and not very quick. And aside from that, I mean, the guy can get hit. I mean, Sergio Marais uh, was tagging him up with overhands until he actually got put out by by a, by a nice little shot from Usman. I just think Woodley is um, is just so quick and so explosive. Uh, I think he can strike at angles. I think he's pretty good defensively. Um, I just think he's the way better striker, and if that's where this fight is is gonna is gonna um, take place, which I think it is, I think Woodley's got plenty of finishing power. Uh, he's got five rounds to get it done, and if, as you say, Sean, everybody is off Woodley again. Poor guy, nobody ever nobody ever likes him. He's a favorite. Um, I think that that could pay dividends here. I think that if this fight stays standing, Woodley is just such a better striker that I think a finish is definitely live. So I'm going to have uh, some shares of Woodley for sure. Joe. So I think Woodley is a far better bet than a DraftKings play. I mean, he may hold the record for having the lowest DraftKings score in a win. Um, he scored 44 points in a decision win. 
<laughs> that is almost borderline impossible. Um, so I think that's where the the hate of Woodley. It's more from a DraftKings perspective. I am picking him to win the fight. However, um, I will pro. I do have more of of Usman in in DraftKings. Um, you know, I didn't totally fade Woodley, but I, I don't have nearly as much just because um, I think the floor is is good on Usman. Um, I do pick Woodley to win, though, but I will have more shares of Usman on DK. I think Uz- I think Woodley is worth a bet. As a matter of fact, I did put him in a parlay. Um, so I do like Woodley to win here. All right, guys. It's main event time, and it's the main event, and I get to say – Let's not overcomplicate. Yeah, let's this, not please. let's not overanalyze this fight. John Jones, ninety six hundred. Anthony Smith, sixty six hundred. John Jones. Let's see what book you want to pick, Joe. What's your favorite book? Oh, your name. I, uh, my favorite book. Yep, online book. Uh, one second after. Uh, I don't have that one available quickly. Give me a big okay. book. War and Peace. What the? F- you're 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 uh, pretty funny. <laughs> John, what are we doing here? Sean is trying the line, to the, the lines are all over the place. Yeah. So, oh, so okay. Chris, you do this here. Name, okay. an, online, name an online sports book. First one. Oh, you, you meant a sports, sports book. book. Five dimes. Don't use five dimes. Come on. Jesus. Oh, minus things. Minus, eight, minus 840. Pinnacles right. at minus 896. Bet 365 is minus 909. Oh. Inner tops is minus 1000. Okay. Like, just, we're all over the damn place. The point is... John Jones is going to get is going to beat the ever living shit out of Anthony Smith. However, he wants to. This fight is minus eight hundred to end it at the distance. I threw that in a parlay because it got my parlay to plus money, and it seemed easy. It seemed like easy money, um, and it, it really should be. John Jones doesn't finish this fight. The only way that happens is if he is incredibly, incredibly bored. That's more analysis than this fight deserves. Anthony Smith could barely last three rounds against Vulcan Ozdemir before he got that submission. Play John Jones wherever you can fit him. If you don't have him in cash games, you're probably doing it wrong. John Jones is the pick here. Joe? Jones. Chris? Uh, yeah. I'm oh, gonna... you should have just said Jones. It would have been great. Oh, God. come on. No, 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 let's no. Go, let's, let's do this quickly and give our hot takes. That was, we're... That, that was, that was uh, Joe's shtick. I can't we're, we're, we're running late here, so... <laughs> But uh, look, the, the, I usually like to do like technical analysis, but in this fight, um, I think it's a lot more simple than that. I think like if you look at Anthony Smith, even in his wins, aside from uh, you know uh, Rashad Evans and uh, Shogun, who, uh, who there's reasons for that, he has to come back in every single fight he's in, and you can't just give away the momentum to John Jones because when he has you hurt, as we've seen in his last two fights fights he is a killer when he's looking for the finish so john jones is not the guy you can mess around with for a round or two and hope to come back and win john jones is just way too good everywhere he's way too much of a killer instinct i think he's gonna win and i think he gets a second round finish right uh somebody in chat just gave just gave a hot take i I like it it will somebody in chat tried to say that if john jones finishes in the third he would screw all of us my response was not really because I'll be at the field weight, and everyone's going to have him in cash games. So even if he waits till the third, I think it's fine. Probably not optimal, obviously, and that led to Will to Will's hot take, which is John Jones is not in the optimal lineup. That is a hot mm. take, and not out of the realm possibility at all, depending if those mid-level eight thousand fighters, you know, get a bunch of finishes. So that's the chat hot take. My hot take will be that I had one queued up earlier. I have oh. I have two I have two hot takes. I have uh, I have Diego Sanchez inside the distance plus nine hundred, and I have uh, Chie Song will score more points than John Jones. Wow, no, I don't like that second one at all. But okay, um, I, I'll give autos too. Um, you know what? Next week we'll see. Uh, I'll ask for him in chat, and I'll just I'll pick one and read it out. This week I'll give two. Uh, auto, auto says, uh, "Give me ciphers by finish." Yeah, I, I know. That's that's pretty hot take. I, I'd rather uh, take Cipher from the Matrix than this Cipher, but I'll right. give me give me Cody Stamen gets eight takedowns and a hundred points. Okay, good. Go. Chris, I am going to say that Jeremy Stevens, with all his non-power, somehow is going to um, stop Zabit Magomed Sharapov by strikes. Cool. Those are pretty hot takes, guys. Yeah. Make sure you go to rotowire.com/slash free ten day free trial. Check out all their paid content. 
no credit card required, free for 10 days. Thanks to RotoWire for supporting the podcast. Make sure you subscribe to RotoWire MMA on iTunes. Make sure you listen to Joe on Sirius Channel 210, yeah. XM87 tomorrow at 2.30 Eastern time. He is batting leadoff. We will rotate. Um, thank you for your support. Keep tweeting Sirius because we deserve this full hour. We'll have to trim it to an hour, Chris, to get on yeah. Sirius XM. Yeah. But – Keep tweeting them. Let's make it happen, guys. Thank you, thank you so much for your support, everybody who watches and listen and listens. Do you guys have anything to add before we get out of here? No, I gotta go. Peace out. All right, guys. All right. Good, luck, good luck in your contest. Okay. We will see you next week. Yeah. Later. Bye. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.